0: Welcome back to American Getaway, the very true, very strange story of Camp Wandawega.
1: And so, with the sunshine and the great bursts of leaves growing on the trees, just as things grow in fast movies, I had that familiar conviction that life was beginning over again with the summer. F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. Rescue. A long time ago, in the days before endeavoring to rescue and resurrect the old Vandavega property, David Hernandez and Teresa Surratt lived simpler, straightforward lives as creative professionals. Real adults with rising resumes and fast-paced big city lives. But then in 2004, they got a phone call from Father B,
2: I don't remember exactly when, but it it, it started to become apparent to me that at some point, you know, the Latvian Marian Fathers, the Catholic Order of Priests who owned the place, that like their era was just coming to an end. It was just kind of self-evident. The community had kind of faded away. The buildings were kind of falling into disrepair. So I reached out to Father Baginskas, you know, Father B, as we called him, and um, told him, if you're ever going to sell the place, please just reach out to me first. And I don't even know what it was. Maybe it was a year or two later, he called me. you know. I got a call, and it was Father B, and he said, OK, David, you know, you told me if we're ever going to sell it to call you first. It's time. And, you know, I was kind of shocked and surprised, but, you know, kind of mobilized, and we made it happen.
1: For David Hernandez, purchasing his childhood summer camp was about more than nostalgia. In buying the de Vega retreat property, he was endeavoring to save the sacred old place from the hands of the wrecking ball, or... Even worse, from cookie cutter lakefront developers.
2: Yeah, when I was a little kid, it never even occurred to me that, like, it would even be possible to someday own this place. I think we kind of fantasized about, you know, maybe, you know, me and all of my Latvian friends and cousins, like, we could each have our own little cabin up on the hillside or something like that. But the idea of, of like, somehow owning the whole place wasn't something that was even conceivable to me. You know, we had no vision for the place. You know, we didn't buy it to, to turn it into a business or turn it into a destination or turn it into a brand. I mean, for me— at first it was really more about just saving it from the wrecking ball. I'm mean, now just imagining this old place with these decrepit buildings that had been neglected for years. If anyone else was gonna buy it, they weren't gonna fix it up. They were just gonna tear it down and build lakefront houses or McMansions or whatever. And the thought of that, like I, I had these terrible visions of, you know, not buying it and then driving back in a year or two years and then seeing it falling into further and further disrepair, and then driving back, you know, another month later. And everything was gone. It was all pushed over. And, you know, just the thought of that just would be, like, gut-wrenching to me. So, you know, as kind of a, a preservationist at heart and, you know, someone interested in history, the opportunity to kind of save this, you know, unique property, but also, you know, a property that was part of my youth, a part of my childhood, a place where, you know, I I was climbing trees and swimming in the lake and feasting on countless Latvian pancake breakfasts, you know, to, to see that place just kind of bulldozed was not something that I
1: could even imagine. Teresa, on the other hand, had no personal history with the camp, only the stories of David's youthful summers there. In fact, her first impressions upon visiting the property were ones of shock and sadness.
3: I hadn't been there and it, it was unbelievable to me that the place that I'd stepped into is this place that David had been describing for so many years with so much love and fondness. Um, I, I guess to me, It just looked sad and neglected and not just abused, but it was like this really pale shadow of its former self. At the same time, despite the decay, I just kept thinking about all these stories about when it was a speakeasy and when it was a brothel and then it was turned into a summer camp. And it had all this crazy history and it just had so much potential. So it was sad, but it was also hopeful at the same time. All I could really think about are, like, what kind of treasures were in the trap doors and in the walls and the little Orphan Annie's bar and were there secrets under the floorboards, that kind of thing. So for me, there were just so many lost stories waiting to be discovered around the property, and I was just excited to start digging into it. And there were so many stories to be written, and, of course, there was really only one way to find out. We just had to start digging into it.
1: Like all the other new owners throughout its history, David and Teresa renamed the property now under their care and supervision, calling it Camp Wandawega. And so what would begin as a small act of preservationist heroism would, over the next decade, become the most complicated, challenging, and fulfilling adventure of the young couple's lives. They would discover that they were not satisfied just to rescue the camp property. Instead, they would restore it and reimagine what this good rolling land which had seen so many people come and go over the years, could become here in the 21st century. And maybe, just maybe, in the hands of the right caretakers, there might still be some magic left in the old place. Revitalization. What does it take to renovate a 1920s summer resort in the 21st century, you ask? Vision and optimism seasoned with liberal doses of grit. Good friends willing to work for free. And after that, you need work, hard work, and lots of it. Years, in fact. By the time David and Teresa had taken over as owners, the Vonda Vega property and all of its buildings were in bad shape.
3: So the way we found the property was uh, – I can't – there are no words for how bad it was. It was literally falling in and itself. You have to imagine the state of squalor that this place was in. There were broken and missing windows. There were rooms with mold on the ceilings. Mildew was everywhere. We had rooms overflowing like an episode of Hoarders from like all the debris of just like decades of neglect. The, there were – wasn't even a beach, it was just like deep weeds and and old trees. There was a remnant of a boat dock. You could barely see the corner of an old tennis court. I mean nothing was recognizable. What you could sort of make out is that there was a bunkhouse, there was a lakeside cabin, there was a one bedroom cabin, but all of these places were like it was like Blair Witch. Even the chapel, which was so charming in all the photos and in the memories as David described them, was just completely overrun and crumbling.
1: These were structures in need of much more than a coat of paint. And the more closely she inspected the grounds, the more Teresa's impression of sadness was confirmed. But so too was her resolve to bring new life to the ailing campground. Step one in initiating the Camp Wandawega Renaissance was, clearly, to throw a party. Or better yet, a wedding. But even in order for David and Teresa to make the property presentable, forget perfect, for their summer 2004 wedding, an entire army of workers would be needed. A great mass of debris and overgrowth needed to be carted off to the dump, and a small colony of intimidating squatters needed to be evicted. Footnote. One of these squatters was a Russian con man who spent part of each year hiding out in Walworth County and living on the camp property for free. By 2004, he had commandeered several rooms in the old hotel building and kept several mysterious locked cabinets there. Working in the stolen car trade, the squatter was known to use over a dozen aliases and was on the run from collectors and was also wanted by Interpol. After the camp was purchased by David and Teresa, he refused to leave the grounds.
2: He had a couple of rooms there that he kept some fireproof um, vaults in, and he was apparently keeping some sort of you know, collection of illegitimate car titles that he was trafficking back and forth between the U.S. And, and Russia or the Ukraine or wherever. And we didn't know how to get him out, and we didn't want to piss him off. We wanted to stay on the guy's good side because, quite frankly, the guy was scary. He was like a linebacker-sized man with a rearranged nose, and he didn't look like the kind of guy that you'd want to be on his bad side. Finally, we figured out that what we should do is reach out to Father B., and have Father B call his mom, <laughs> and that actually worked. So Father B called his mom and told the guy, hey, listen, the new owners need to get in there, and they need to do some painting and repairs, so they're going to just kind of you know, take the door off the hinges and let themselves in, but if you want to come by and kind of get your stuff, please feel free. And you know, believe it or not, that did the trick. Um, the guy came within the next week, and we have never seen him since.
1: Luckily for David and Teresa, they have very industrious friends and family members who offered countless hours of free manual labor to help get the property presentable. Using every spare hour between January and August and calling in every outstanding favor they could think of, David and Teresa were just able to get the property to pass muster.
3: On August 24th, 2004, we got married in the camp's outdoor chapel and um, it was lovely, but it poured the entire day, like the whole day. I remember walking down the aisle wearing these yellow wellies and holding my dress up because it was just dragging in the mud. And, and ever since that day, whenever someone asked me about getting married there, I just say, well, you know, wet nuts are harder to untie.
1: But the wedding preparations and general camp cleanup were just the beginning. The micro and macro level repairs and improvements at Camp VandaVega have been ongoing ever since 2004 and in the tradition of the days of Vega, have been executed primarily by generous volunteers. The most significant push in renovations took place between 2004 and 2008. After first making the grounds presentable on the most basic level, David and Teresa set out to make the facilities actually livable, a place that friends and guests might, once again, want to get away to. Slowly but surely, the resort began to emerge out of its gloomy state. William Pat Lano, a longtime caretaker of the old Vonda Vega property, witnessed the incredible transformation, noting that these two people have done more to fix this place up in four years than anyone else in 45. The original Vanda Vega Hotel guesthouse emerged from the restorations as the bunkhouse, and now features 12 rooms available for vacation rentals. The main building of the old Wandawega Hotel, once the Anziewski's celebrated Polish restaurant, complete with speakeasy-era trapdoors, was rechristened as The Lodge and has, in recent years, become the epicenter for tall tale-telling, whiskey-sipping, and fireside card games. The two small cabins that dot the property were also restored and minimally modernized. Along with improvements to the existing structures on the site, David and Teresa began introducing an eclectic collection of new structures to the grounds of Camp Wandawega. First, the tiny Sterlingworth Cabin, which once overlooked Mill Lake. Second, three vintage Boy Scouts of America platform tents configured around their own private fire pit. Third, a Native American-inspired canvas teepee. And fourth, an outhouse-turned-outdoor shower, taken from the nearby Juniper Knoll Girl Scouts camp and thought to have been designed by modernist architect Harry Weiss in the 1950s. And best of all, the centrally located architectural highlight of Camp Wandawega, Tom's Treehouse.
3: So Tom's Treehouse on the property is named after my late father. And um, it's a treehouse that was built in a tree that um, had died of Dutch elm around the same time that my dad had died. And so we saved the tree because it had the swing on it that he had hung for us when we christened the property when we first bought it. So our friends came out and built a treehouse around it and enabled us to preserve the swing and and preserve um, – the memories of my dad. And so the tree house is built around the remains of that tree, and uh, the swing was there for many years after. And uh, now it holds a library, and the library holds books, and one of those books is called The Forever Tree, which is the true story of, um, of my dad's tree. And it uh, was published by Random House, and it's now in a, in a couple different languages in a few different countries, and, and we're excited that his legacy can live on through it.
1: The result of all that hard work is that the Camp Wandawega of today stands as both a kind of time capsule and a time machine, an oversized toy village come to life, ready to be explored and adventured within by kids both big and small. Here where the little chapel of the Latvian Marian fathers stands without judgment beside the body old speakeasy, where scout tents and teepees stand guard against pirates and where a house up in a tree watches over it all, There is an undeniable spirit that comes to life, or perhaps comes back to life, in those that come here. Call it nostalgia, fine. Summer magic, that's more like it. But pretentious, not a chance. For despite all the Neverland for Adults vibrations that Camp Wandawega gives off, it's still very much a place where guests have to rough it. The basic nuts and bolts accommodations that have always been central to the property are, by and large, still very basic. Just see the innkeeper's official lowbrow manifesto for details.
3: Camp Wandawega is the definition of rustic. You have to expect ladybugs in your pillow, maybe a cricket, and the camp showers. We're talking really old school, like Boy Scout style, concrete floors, open air kind of thing. You had to be prepared to share them with the toads because they're always there first. If you need thread counts, like a sheet thread count that's higher than 50 or even a decent mattress, someone to pick up the phone. There's a dozen options in the area we would be happy to direct you to. Rustic? Sure. But there's something in that as well.
1: Something wonderful about getting away to a place with miserable cell phone reception, no wireless internet, but a place that is home to an abundance of fireflies. The austere character of today's Camp Wandawega is more than just a quaint affectation. In fact, this bare-bones, tough-it-out, waste-not-want-not approach Reflects the courageous perseverance that helped the Latvian refugees, including David Hernandez's grandparents, survive World War II, weather the hard scrabble life of the refugee camps, voyage to a new world, and endure difficult years of assimilating into American life as immigrant outsiders. In the first few years that we owned the property, David remembers, an elderly Latvian woman named Rita kept a room here. And weekend after weekend, she would regale our friends with stories of being a teenager in the refugee camps, telling them how she used to sneak out to the edge of the camp where the American soldiers lived to gather up castaway cigarette butts, orange peels, and coffee grounds to reuse. The castaway cigarettes would be smoked down by the young Latvians until there was nothing left. The orange peels would be used to infuse water and tea. And Rita would gather up the used coffee grounds in her apron and bring them back to her family so they could make coffee. Every one of those folks knew what it meant to struggle and to do without, and somehow they kept on going.
2: So because of that story now, the first pot of coffee that I make every day at camp, um, typically when I you know, I'm prepping to make the coffee, yesterday's coffee grounds are still in there. So I just leave them in there and do a new pot, a fresh pot of water, but I let it brew over the old grounds. So the first pot of coffee is typically a really weak um, pot of coffee. And if you're unlucky enough to be there with me to have it, you'll probably wonder what the hell I'm doing. But please understand, there's a reason for it. I love to have this reminder in my first pot of coffee about, you know, how recent it was that, you know, my mom was in the refugee camps and, you know, now I'm at Wanda Wiga, you know, with all of, you know, these amazing people and just all of these amazing experiences. And I'm literally just kind of one generation removed, like a lot of us are, from the atrocities of World War II and from kind of a different world that's, you know, now that we feel so disconnected from. So that morning pot of coffee is just a wonderful reminder to me of, you know, where I come from.
1: And so... With a mostly resurrected resort up and running by 2008, all Camp Wandawega needed was people to sleep in its bed, climb its trees, and skinny dip in the lake. David and Teresa had done it. They had rebuilt it, but now, would people actually come here? Renaissance. Somewhere in the course of a decade, the preservationists became Imagineers. Empowered by the can-do, David and Teresa became masters of the what-if. What if this place could be more than a summer and weekend lake rental? What if we hosted camps of our own? What if other people could get married here? What if artists and chefs and local worshipers could come and gather here all year round? And so camp as a gathering place was reborn. Since 2004, the site has played host to dozens of weddings Hundreds of artists and photographers and thousands of guests from around the world. Old friends and new have come to fish off the pier, drink beer around the campfire, and shoot the breeze on the porch. Families, road trippers, hipster bloggers, and Latvian old-timers alike. The lure of the camp, it would seem, is alive and well. In recent years, Camp Wandawega can claim numerous celebrity visits, countless magazine photo shoots, and at least two babies that were conceived on the property, that we know of. One half of each summer season is booked solid with philanthropic events, those endeavors that Teresa calls the most emotionally fulfilling money losers ever. Kids camp, art camp, band camp, and local community and church events. It's okay if you want to ask David and Teresa why they've done so much to bring the real summer resort back to life, why they've made such a huge financial, emotional, and physical investment in the place.
3: They get that question a lot. And their answer is this, I guess it all depends on how you define invest. This is the best way that we know how to explain, which is sometimes even to us, looks like a completely irrational emotional decision. We just do things that make us happy. And the things that make us happy are really just making other folks happy. And by this criteria, we think that investment has been paying off.
1: And it makes sense, really. It was always the people that made Vonda Vega so meaningful to David back in the 1970s and 80s. Not the Latvian pancake breakfasts, not the volleyball tournaments, not the contraband beer hidden in the woods. It was always people. It was hanging out with Father B, goofing off with his brother and his Latvian cousins and his quirky uncles. The magic of camp was always the odd congregation of people living in close, rough quarters, safe in the bosom of nature, whose only stressor was deciding which fun thing to do next. And so it is again today. Camp Wandawega is just a place, true, but it is a gathering place at whose heart are the people who assemble there, strangers and friends, the found and the lost, sinners and saints, one and all, gathered together for a brief moment, there under the stars of Southeast Wisconsin, a respite from the busy work of making their way in the world.
2: We're more like stewards or caretakers. We don't think of ourselves as owners so much as we think of ourselves as stewards or caretakers. Camp is in our care right now, but someday it'll pass to someone else, and we just want to make sure that there are people who can look back, like I can, and have great memories of this place. The more people that are connected to the history and the traditions here, the more likely that'll it be looked after long-term, long after I'm gone.
3: We'd like to think that this place is gonna be here forever, and that we're really just the most current cast of characters that have been put in charge of this strange place. And if we're not adding a little bit of crazy here and there, then we're not very good camp counselors, are we?
1: It's a midsummer evening at Camp Wandawega, and David is carefully pushing Charlie on the camp's rope swing. Higher, she calls out. Higher, Daddy, higher! And in our digital age, it's incredible how refreshing it is to see a child enjoying the pendulum thrill of an outdoor swing. Just an old tree branch, a bit of rope, and a little girl learning to fly. But it's these kind of moments that David and Teresa treasure most. And they have seen it a hundred times by now. Boys and girls of all ages who come to camp and rediscover the grand magic of small things. The joy of an angler's sunrise catch the audacity of an icy outdoor shower, or the wonder of watching a sky full of fireflies materialize into being. This is why David and Teresa keep the inn, why they keep camp alive. If it were December, it would have already been dark for a few hours, but in midsummer, the day lingers slowly on its way towards dusk, and the long dark of night may eventually cover the old place. But not just yet. It's the golden hour at Camp Wandawega, and so there's still enough time to walk the lake's edge a while, or mess about in a canoe, or play a game of checkers up in the treehouse, or take another ride on the swing. Still plenty of time today to make a new memory, to stir up some trouble, to tell tall tales, to discover the unexpected. It'll still be a long while before the sun sets at Camp Wandawega, before they finally close the books on our place. Epilogue, A Broader History. In August of 2014, consultants from Legacy Architecture, under the direction of the Wisconsin Historical Society, and funded by a generous grant from the Foldner Heritage Fund, presented a nomination to the Wisconsin Historic Preservation Review Board on behalf of Camp Wandawega. That same month, the Wandawega Inn, acknowledged as a place of uniquely significant cultural and historical value in Wisconsin, was formally added to the State Register of Historic Places. This official designation is an exciting development in the colorful history of the property and has confirmed what David Hernandez and Teresa Surratt have believed for many years, that there is no place in the world quite like Camp Wandauega. Not long after being added to the State Historical Register, Jim Drager, a director at the Wisconsin State Historical Society, wrote at length about what Camp Wandawega represents in the Longview cultural fabric of Walworth County, the state of Wisconsin, and in many ways, the whole of America. He writes Camp Wandawega is a microcosm of the broader history of Wisconsin resorts. In a single property, you can see many aspects of the historical evolution of Wisconsin resorts in the 20th century. The land speculation that gave rise to its initial development was indicative of a resort fever that swept through the state in the 1920s, as leisure time increased and the rapid spread of automobiles increased mobility and allowed people to leave urban centers to experience natural areas. Its subsequent ties to bootlegging and prostitution are evocative of the unexpected social impacts of our failed prohibition experiment and the penetration of the lawlessness into the most remote areas of the state due to its proximity to Chicago. The subsequent ownership of the property by the Catholic Church was a phenomenon found throughout Wisconsin's resorting areas as resorts and summer houses became church properties and functioned as religious retreats because improved transportation infrastructure allowed the wealthy of the Midwest to travel to more far-flung and exotic locations. Its transformation into a summer camp was in line with the blossoming of summer camps in the mid-20th century as urban dwellers sent their children to camp as a means to inculcate the values of rural life that they had experienced in their own childhoods before seeking the economic opportunities found in larger cities. Its current incarnation, as Camp Wandawega, shows the increasing appreciation of historic preservation and the aesthetic, romantic, historic, and emotional power of a place that has stood against our seemingly relentless need for constant updating and change. Many resorts show one or two phases of this evolution, but what makes WandaWega special is that you see all of these aspects in a single site. Its extraordinary state of preservation allows each of the stories to be clearly seen in the physical fabric of the place, creating a powerful slice of time and place that transcends any of these single stories. What Camp Wandawega has evolved into over the past decade under the careful shepherding of David Hernandez and Teresa Surratt, is an identity that is both something very familiar and very new. By reclaiming the grounds and buildings and restoring them to a livable state, they were able, like Harry Beckford and the Angievsky family and the Marian fathers before them, to create a desirable destination, a proper wilderness getaway with just enough modern amenities to be practical and just enough rustic novelties to be truly exciting. By channeling the free spirit of Anna Beckford Peck, though in a far less illegal way, Camp Wandawega continues to be a place of celebration and merrymaking, a place to cut loose and go a little wild. Along with their daughter, Charlie, David and Teresa have, like the Angievskys before them, installed a family as the center of the Camp Wandawega universe. And by continuing the Marian tradition of using the property as a means of blessing others, Whether through Mass in the Grass or by hosting philanthropic events, Camp Wandawega exists as 25 acres of holy Wisconsin ground, a place of refuge for sinners and saints. But what is new, what has become one of the central attractors for many of those who come to Camp Wandawega today, is the long and colorful heritage of the place itself. By celebrating each of the property's individual historical eras in different ways, Camp Wandawega has become a kind of living curiosity shop, a new museum of American anthropology. Or, as Jim Drager observed, Camp Wandawega has become a destination for pilgrims on a quest to experience the aesthetic, romantic, historic, and emotional power of a place that has stood against our seemingly relentless need for constant updating and change. And so... In opening its gates and its guest rooms and its shorelines to a cast of 21st century characters, Camp Wandawega is writing an entirely new chapter in the long, strange biography of the little American resort on a lake that nobody's ever heard of in southeastern Wisconsin. A new chapter populated with sinners and saints who, like so many before them, went looking for some place to get away and somehow, found their way, once upon a time, to Lake Wandawega, Wisconsin.
0: American Getaway was written and narrated by Austin Salesbury. It was directed by Lars Howe Schilt and edited by Chad Michael Snavely at Sound On Studios in Nashville. Instrumental music written and recorded by Philip Bowen. Additional music by Joseph Bradshaw, Casey Chambers, Bo Jennings, and Robin and Corey Quintard. Special thanks to David Hernandez and Teresa Surratt and the Wanda Wega Historical Society. You can see photos of the people and places featured in this story and learn more about Camp Wandawega at www.wandawega.com. Thanks for listening.